If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist here in New York. I work with Dr. Ronald Hoffman. I also maintain a private practice. I have patients and clients from all over the country. What are the difference between patients and clients? Well, they're all clients. Some of them are patients if they have medical conditions and require medical nutrition therapy for me because I am a medical nutrition therapist. That, that is what a registered dietitian nutritionist does, medical nutrition therapy. Clients, other clients generally are healthy people who are looking for optimization. They're being proactive. Uh, maybe they're getting older and they're interested in anti-aging and just overall staying well, getting ahead of the game, you know, thinking big picture. That's really the way to think. Not how you feel today or next week or next year, but five years from now, 10 years from now, 25 years from now, because it all has to do, it's all cumulative. What we do today has everything to do with how our health will be reflected back to us later on in our lives, right? And speaking of which, I know it's July now. Many are struggling with weight loss strategies. Speaking of, speaking of a topic which many of you are battling with, are you struggling to get into shape? Many are. You're not alone because one in four Americans have tried at least 16 different weight loss strategies and nine in 10 American adults have tried at least one in their lifetime. Imagine that's nearly everybody. And this is according to a poll of 2000 American adults conducted by one poll on behalf of Founds. In fact, 91%, you hear that motorcycle outside? <laughs> In fact, I've got the windows open. In fact, 91% of the respondents admit to trying at least one weight loss strategy with half reporting that they have tried 
11 different methods to try to shed some unwanted pounds. Wow, 11 different methods. So that's roughly one quarter of American adults trying at least 16 different weight loss strategies. 32% of the respondents reported being successful at losing some weight, but gained it back. And only 28% reported being successful at shedding some extra pounds and being able to maintain the weight loss. See, losing weight, everybody, can be easy. But once you reach your goal, it's the maintaining that weight loss that becomes difficult because that's the difference between a diet, which is what you do to reach that goal, and then maintenance, which is a lifestyle change. The only way to, to achieve weight maintenance once you've reached your goal is to live that life in a way that you don't gain it back. That's a lifestyle change. So a successful weight loss journey appears to be a struggle to sustain for many of the respondents. Overall, 37% of the respondents describe their weight loss experience as being overwhelming. And I know that is true for many of you. 31% report it as being unsuccessful. And only 15% report their weight loss experience as being rewarding. Those 15%, you know, they see they see the results in the mirror and they like it and they want more. That's what's going on there. Not, res- not surprisingly, or that 15% also feels better, or the, their, their bar for wellness has risen. And now they don't ever want to go back to how they felt before. Anyway, not surprisingly, 65% report that long-term weight loss is too difficult to maintain because of all the sacrifices that come with it. 54% of the respondents reported that they have given up trying to lose weight because they felt like they were sacrificing too much. 34% felt that they had to sacrifice their happiness during their weight loss experience. 29% felt They were sacrificing their mental health, and 28% felt that they were sacrificing love and or relationships in order to lose some of that extra weight. I want to talk about this last bit. 28% felt that they were sacrificing love or other relationships in order to lose some of that extra weight. You've known people say in marriages or in relationships or even entire families where everybody is overweight. When one person starts losing weight, the other, they may feel threatened or because that person is losing weight or have now reached their weight goal, they're not eating the same way their partner did anymore. Therefore, this is one activity that they're not necessarily getting along with doing well together anymore. So that becomes a rift in their relationship. And that's what they're talking about in this study, in this poll, when they say that 28% felt that they were sacrificing love and or relationships in order to lose some of that extra weight. Think about that. 
That's why it's often helpful when the person and their spouse, their significant other, or the family is involved in this effort. So weight loss goals are more than just numbers on the scale. 79% of respondents wanted to lose weight to be healthier. Yes. Not to be skinnier. And two in five wanted to have more energy. That's a big deal lately, to have more energy. 44% said that they wanted to lose weight to feel more confident with their body. And 34% feeling victorious when others noticed their efforts. 42% reported wanting to lose weight to feel healthier overall. And 42% said that they wanted to be able to do activities like climbing stairs, strolling through the mall, or walking a mile without having to stop all the time. We're talking about quality of life. People wanted to lose the weight to become healthier and have quality of life. This is important going forward. I mean, here we are, the whole baby boomer generation in about 10, 15 years from now, most will fall into that category of being older, of being in the age of senior citizens. Here we are. Here we are. So, quote, this data validates what many of us who have tried to lose weight before have known for a long time, that traditional weight loss journeys require too much sacrifice and leans too heavily on the idea <coughs> of personal willpower, says Dr. Acacia Parks, Chief Behavioral Health Officer at Found. They did this poll. In a statement, as someone who has struggled with my weight my whole life, and also an expert in psychology, I know that the feeling of extreme satisfaction doesn't lead to lasting weight loss or positive mental health and only fuels stigma around needing help. To achieve sustainable weight loss, it is important to provide people with a personalized program that works with their unique biology and lifestyle, not against it. I wholeheartedly agree because each of you are individuals who are in this struggle. And that's why a personalized program based on your unique biology, your unique biochemistry, and your lifestyle, it has to work within your life for you to be able to embrace it. You have to be able to embrace it, to own it. As a recent patient said to me, he said, I need to own it. I agreed with him wholeheartedly. For you, once you embrace it, you own it, you see the results. Then you want to, then your behavior begins to change because you like seeing the results. Now, they're talking a lot here about sacrificing and feeling deprived and all of this. Well, I'm telling you that there are ways to eat where you won't feel deprived because you're not going to be hungry. Deprivation, the feeling of feeling, the, the feeling of deprivation is very subjective. It often, 
The prerequisite to that is often the feeling of hunger, real hunger. How long do you want to go hungry? Of course, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be unhappy. It's overwhelming. It's too much of a sacrifice. It's hard. Who wants to go hungry? Not me. I'm certainly not going to go hungry. And why would I advise you as my patient, my client to go hungry if I'm not willing to do so? No, that's not the way to go. That's why weight loss diets don't work. Diet is a four letter word after all. That's why it's so hard to maintain the weight loss. What I'm talking to you about is a lifestyle change in a way to eat that does not require you to go hungry. In fact, you are not allowed to go hungry. Not on my watch, you're not. You are not allowed to go hungry. You have to eat in a way. It's tactical eating. It's a strategy. It's tactical eating. You must make sure you're having regular meal times with the right proportion of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. And I'm talking about lowering carbohydrates because that's where everybody gets in trouble. Never embark on a low-fat diet because a low-fat diet is not healthy, except a diet that is low in factory-made trans fats. That's the type of low-fat diet you want to be on. You don't want the trans fat in that cookie, in that cake, in that bread, in that processed product, whether it's chips or your commercial peanut butters and things that contain partially hydrogenated oils. Yes, you want those fats out of your life. Now, there are naturally occurring fats, ruminant fats, that are naturally occurring trans fats that occur naturally in animal protein. These are natural trans fats. These, these are transvicenic acid. These are the precursors to, to substances that help to prevent cancer. I want to be very clear in the distinction between factory-made trans fats. These are your hydrogenated vegetable oils and naturally occurring trans fats in animal protein. These are the good saturated fats that we're talking about. Nutritionists in the know are talking about. These are important fats for you to have every day. Listen, there, you, protein is essential in your life. Fats are extremely essential in your life. There is really no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. When you think about our Stone Age ancestors in the dead of winter, say that dead of winter lasted four, five, even seven months, depending on the region of the world and during the Ice Age and all that, right? Uh, they only were able to eat the animals they killed. Maybe they found a lettuce leaf or a plant leaf under the ice that they nibbled on. But basically the animals they killed, the fish they fished, maybe the eggs they found in a nest. Maybe they nibbled on a little bit of tree bark. That would be the equivalent of aspirin. That's where the salicylic acid is, interestingly, or willow bark for that matter, if it's willow. But, you know, they were pretty much in ketosis, lipolysis ketosis, which is a fat-burning metabolism for most of the winter. And then during the summer... When the fruit became available, 
See, Mother Nature provides, Mother Nature knows. Then our Stone Age ancestors would eat the fruit. They would revel in it, its wonderful sweetness, in its abundance. They didn't always have to hunt, or when they hunted, it wasn't merely for survival. Well, they still had to hunt, obviously, but there was also fruit available as an accompaniment, as another meal. Maybe nuts, seeds, more vegetables, vegetation. Maybe some tumor, tubers they were able to dig out of the ground, right? And in the, in the summer months, in the warmer months, they would float out of lipolysis, ketosis, maybe into more of a glucose-burning metabolism. And that additional fruit, that additional carbohydrate, helped them to fatten up for the upcoming famine or the upcoming winter. See? Mother Nature provided so that they may survive another famine. What I'm saying to you is there are ways to eat so that you were never hungry. And if you really trust this process, your cravings will go away. A lot of people in the beginning tell me, <clears throat> but Layla, I'm always going to crave this. I'm always going to crave that. I'm always going to crave that cookie. That's sweet. No, your cravings will diminish after a period of time. For many people, that's four days. For many people, that's 10 days. For other people, it's three weeks. The cravings do go away. It's very much like being an alcoholic. When the alcoholic stops drinking, they experience cravings in the beginning, but after a period of time of, of abstinence, the craving for alcohol actually goes away. And it does not come back until if or when they cheat. So then that one drink flips a switch to bring them back to drinking again. And in the, in the case of uh, a sugar addict, a carbohydrate addict, you know, one cookie or one may be enough to flip the switch. One potato chip, a bag of potato chips may be enough to flip the switch. One slice of bread, that bowl of pasta is enough to flip the switch to bring it all back. Now, if you know yourself, you have to know. I have people say to me, no, once in a while, I'll indulge in a bowl of pasta and I won't do it again for three months. Fantastic. If it doesn't flip that switch for you, that brings you back into craving land. Terrific. You can control your cheats. You can keep a carbohydrate budget, which I'll talk more about in, a, in, a, in another podcast. But those of you who know that as soon as you have that sweet or that slice of bread, that you know that yourself that you will only want more, you know not to go there. And I applaud you for that. Kudos that you are so tuned in to your own behavior with regard to craving that you know that all bets will be off. You will dive in. You will want more than one slice of bread. You'll eat half the loaf. Please pass the butter. And I want now a sleeve of Oreos, not just the one Oreo, right? Does that resemble anybody out there? It's that kind of a thing. Or now you know those Oreos are in the house. And oftentimes when those cheat foods are in the house, we want to eat them. We don't want them to just linger there in the cupboard or in the refrigerator. We don't want that ice cream to just linger in the freezer. It's available for us to eat. 
and it's on our minds. There are strategies. I am telling you there are strategies so that you don't step into that doo-doo of beginning to crave all over again. Even if you've got a family full of people that are eating those foods, there are strategies in helping you to deal with all of that. Now, this study is talking about the overwhelm of people on experience on a weight loss diet, the sacrifice, they are simply unhappy, or they feel that there's also a stigma associated with their weight loss journey, right? So findings reveal that respondents may be more comfortable talking about their weight loss journey, but they're not as comfortable talking about medications that they might be taking for physical or mental health. Surprisingly, one in three said that they wish they had access to weight loss medications when they were trying to lose weight. 41% of the respondents say that they're very comfortable talking about medications for physical health, but only 29% say that they're comfortable talking about medications that they're taking for mental health. It's time we evolve. This is a quote from a Dr. Kumar. It's time we evolve the mainstream weight loss narratives that are outdated and tell us it's our fault that we aren't losing weight. I agree. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. There are ways to eat where it won't feel like overwhelm. And listen, any change in the very beginning that's 180 degrees from how you've been eating before is a change. It could be a little bit of a struggle. It's a learning curve. You know, let's all submit to that. The first week may be difficult, but after that, you've learned several things. You're eating a different way. Things are happening. There is a such thing as sugar withdrawal or carbohydrate withdrawal or the withdrawal of the food you've been eating all this time that you're not eating anymore and you miss it. That's a real thing, but it does go away if you trust the process. I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. Do you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? Well, it could be caused by a nutritional deficiency that can be reversed. Certain nutritional deficiencies can impact nerve function and are a frequent cause of numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in the feet and legs. It may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Zobria from Oshare Health provides precision nutrition to quickly restore healthy nerve function. Zobria is a proprietary formulation with high-potency bioactive ingredients that work better than simple vitamins to target nutritional deficiencies that impair nerve function. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven supplement that works with no side effects. You can get Zobria risk-free by going to Zobria.com. That's Z-O-B-R-I-A.com and get 20% off with coupon code Hoffman at checkout. This offer is only available to Intelligent Medicine listeners. That's Zobria.com. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. 
and to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.